everybody. Welcome into Mining Stock Daily this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, it's uh, been somewhat of an interesting day on my part because not only is my studio out of power, I'm also having some terrible technical difficulties with the recording software this afternoon. But uh, we're going to try to get through it. So apologies for a little bit of an off day once again here on the podcast. But there's a number of economic data out this week. Uh, Not only do we have FOMC policy uh, statement and Mr. Jerome Powell coming out midweek and Wednesday, uh, there's a number of uh, data points out today. Uh, tomorrow we get Richmond Fed news, uh, new home sales coming out Wednesday. Thursday there's a barrage of reports including GDP advance estimate and then Friday personal income and spending. And then we usually call in Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics and to talk about the precious metals. But on top of the Mining Stock Journal he writes every other week and also participates in our morning briefing, he also writes the Short Sellers Journal. So we have, you know, let's talk all things macro uh, economic data, Dave, because this week is, I was, in fact, on top of all those data reports, it's, it's, it's also uh, uh, quarterly financials are out from the companies. So it's a, it's a pretty big week this week. It is. Just really quickly, I, th- I think you said on this Wednesday afternoon. Did you mean Monday afternoon? No, I've, for the uh, the Fed statements coming out Wednesday. Oh, okay. And the, F- the FOMC, yeah. In your intro, you said on this Wednesday afternoon. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it feels like a Wednesday. I mean, it's just <laughs> today <laughs> well, has, it has been. Oh, my gosh. I, I had this, this, this software issue I've been having has really, quite frankly, been a pain in the ass. But we'll get through it. <laughs> I'm sure you will. So, yeah, I mean, you know, as I know, you, you get my short sellers journal. And <clears throat> my theme for quite a while has been that um, the economy, if you, if you look at the, the hard economic data that's released, when I say hard economic data, I mean, it typically mostly... It's data that comes from either the private sector or companies or whatever, non-government data, and also non-sentiment data, right? So when, when you know, the, some of these economic surveys, they ask about expectations six months from now. You know, that that's like a touchy-feely, it's not a hard economic piece of data, right? And I would argue that, especially when you strip out the effects of, of price inflation, and, you know, you can just use the CPI index, which has been shown, you know, ad nauseum to understate the real level of price increases in the economy. <clears throat> but just strip out the CPI index inflation, and there really hasn't been any real economic growth in, in our economy. I mean, probably since the second half of 2020, maybe early 2021. So, um, and, and, you know, types of things that I look at, you know, like today was the, the, the Chicago Fed National Activity Index was released. And it's, it's a diffusion index of 85 different variables at all levels of the, of the economy. <clears throat> and it was, the, the index itself went down to negative 32, 0.32. So it, it's going to swing between positive one and one. This is a diffusion index, and 
in general and on average, you know, it probably, you know, most of the time sits between, <clears throat> excuse me, just saying minus 0.3 and positive 0.3. So, mm-hmm. so um, it actually has been below zero, so negative, indicating um, economy-wide contraction in economic activity. It's been it's been negative for seven of the last nine months. And it was the last week or last month, there was a, a, you know, it's reported with a one month lag. So in May, um, it went down to minus 0.28. This month, it went down to minus 0.32, which means we're slowing even further. Um, And it was slightly positive in in April. So um, and to me, I think that it's a pretty far-reaching widespread index and and I think it's a pretty good indicator of of what's really going on in the economy um, and then yeah. you know just like last week um, for my short sellers journal that was released yesterday I think I got it out late morning um, <clears throat> you know I went over the, a bunch of economic data that was reported last week so you had like the Philly Fed index and that that's a for whatever reason, it's a widely watched um, regional Fed index. I think probably because there's quite a bit of manufacturing activity in the Philly Fed region, which is basically obviously Philadelphia <clears throat> and a lot of the, the kind of Atlantic states. But that had a minus 13.5, 13.5 reading, and it was it was negative like that at that level two months in a row. Um, Wall Street was looking for a minus 10, but it was the 10th straight month of contraction in the index. And so, you know, we keep hearing that, you know, everyone's asking, where's the recession? Well, it depends on where you want to look for it. It's, it's in a lot of places. Um, manufacturing, for manufacturing, sure. Manufacturing, for sure, you know. Um, and I would actually argue consumer spending is in a recession. And we're, you know, and we're, we're seeing that with, with the retail sales number. So... Retail sales, which was reported last week, rose 0.2% in June. Now, if you strip out CPI inflation, it was negative. And, and the way I like to translate that is if you remove price inflation from the retail sales number, you get what I refer to as unit retail sales, right? The number of units that, that were sold um, for the measurement period. And um, Wall Street was looking for half a percent gain. Wall, Wall Street's always so optimistic in their forecasts. And I think that gets kind of ingrained in people because, you know, they, they watch CNBC or they, they read their local newspaper business section, whether online or we still get the hard newspaper delivered. And, you know, it talks about what Wall Street is seeing or what they're forecasting. I think that's what gets into people's minds. But when you look at these hard numbers... I mean that that's where the rubber meets the road. So so on a monthly basis retail sales rose 0.2%. They were negative retail sales were negative on a real basis and on a year over year basis they were up 1.5%. Now, what was the last CPI 4% I think? So if yeah. you remove that from the from the retail sales number, you're you're talking about uh, a 2.5% decline in retail sales and that that's just that's incredible when you think about it there's a uh, number of like dave, dave I, I do want to i want to pause you here because there's a couple of things that i want to follow up and get your thoughts here some of them are 
maybe anecdotal, but perhaps we can make the argument that there's there's really no <laughs> anecdotal evidence when it comes to the way the economy is functioning right now. But in your short sellers journal, there's a couple of things I picked away here that I wanted to bring up uh, that you believe that a number of people are starting to like dwindle their savings and maybe not even just the savings, maybe that stimulus money that was you know very large in in 2020 2021 maybe that's finally are we starting to see the end of that kind of going through the system at least on the on, on the regular consumer standpoint but you also wrote that uh the credit is uh credit has declined given to the data and you also and maybe this is the anecdotal thing that you wrote down that really uh maybe catch my attention but a report on July 7th showed that Google searches for the term pawn shop near me started rising in January and hit an all-time high uh, in July, uh, which is pretty, I mean, again, maybe anecdotal, maybe not, but maybe there's no such thing as anecdotal evidence when it comes to this type of, uh, you know, this type of studying. I, I mean, I think, I think you got to take that report at face value. I mean, why else would you... Why would you go on to Google and search pawn shop near me if you weren't looking to pawn something, right? <laughs> so either there's been a lot of burglaries going on and, and, and criminals are looking to pawn their, their goods onto pawn shops, or I would argue that it's, it's, it's people trying to figure out ways to raise, raise liquidity. Um, you pointed out the savings and see, that's another report where you got to really think about it at a more granular level, right? Because, and unfortunately, the Fed doesn't do this. I wish it would break out the savings rate by, by kind of income quartile or something, right? Mm -hmm. um, or income decile. So, you know, what's the savings rate for the top 10%? What's the savings rate for the top 1%? You know, what's the savings rate for the bottom 90%? Because I have seen articles where there's guys who have, and I don't know where they get the data from, but um, they've made the case that when you see this national save rate of, you know, the, the savings number and the savings rate, you know, on, an, on a macro national basis, the bulk of that savings is attributable to the top 5% or top 1% wealth demographic, income and wealth demographics. So... Um, and I mean, we've seen plenty of surveys over the last couple of years where, you know, just under 80 percent of the respondents say that they don't even have 500 bucks in the bank for, for a $500 emergency. So uh, that that tells us that most households or the average household is tapped out of their savings. They've already blown through their, you know, the stimulus money. I think I think most of them, most people like either upgraded their house you know, did renovations or bought a new car or went on a vacation or something with a lot of that. So, you know, it just, it's spent. And when you look at the, the consumer credit data, uh, revolving credit is, the, the usage of revolving credit is starting to decelerate. And part of that is because people are tapped out on their credit lines. They can't get um, their credit lines raised. I, I also had some data in there about, you know, the, the loan application rejection rate, which the Fed compiles, right, for mortgages and auto loans. And I'm assuming that, you know, the same percentages would apply to credit, you know, getting your, your credit limit raised. So, you know, what, what the credit card revolving credit numbers tell me report on a monthly basis is that the average household's kind of running out of their ability to tap into credit to keep spending. 
And for a while there, and I was talking about it in the newsletter, uh, it was it was inferred that a lot of households were, were tapping into their revolving credit line to make ends meet on a monthly basis. And so um, it, it would make sense that, you know, what do you do next? You start selling the furniture to keep the heat on, right? So you want to look for a pawn shop where you can pawn some stuff off and raise liquidity in it. That, to me, is what that um, <clears throat> report about the Google searches for pawn shops near me tells me. Okay. Uh, very interesting data here. We're going to get a lot more this week, and plus all the fin- quarterly financials out throughout the market, Dave. But let's do turn to precious metals. Uh, you know, gold had a nice week last week, a little bit of a sell, you know, not really a sell-off, but a correction off of that big, uh, big move. I think it was midweek, Tuesday or Wednesday, that big move happened last week. Uh, you know, whereas the COT report came out last week, I'm sure you already went through that with a fine-tooth comb, as you usually do. Uh, anything noticeable? You know, let me just refresh my... It wasn't that noticeable, because <laughs> I... I did go through it on Friday, but um, let me just take a quick look at it here. I, I use the long format, right, because it shows mm-hmm. it disaggregates the, the the three major categories: the commercial, the um, speculative, and the non-reportable, which is which is retail. So, if you look at just looking at the silver. <clears throat> The banks massively increased their short position in, in, in silver contracts. And the hedge funds and the CTAs massively increased their, their, their gross long position. You know, and at the same time, on a, on a, net, on a net basis. So the, the banks massively increased their net short position because they slightly reduced their long position and, and vice versa for the managed money. So... It kind of tells me what was going on in silver was some momentum chasing and the banks and you can see it on the on the um, chart for the week. I just I use a 15 minute chart that I look at and you can see where it was just like sometime as Wednesday transitioned into Thursday, the bank said they had enough of silver going up. Right. Because it got over twenty five and they started feeding more COMEX paper into the market to try and halt the price rise and maybe get the price to go down. <clears throat> now these numbers are through are through Tuesday and they're reported Friday. So I'm assuming that um, Wednesday and Thursday um, a lot of paper was fed into the market by the banks and they might have ended up covering some of it. We'll, we'll find out on Tuesday what, what it looked like for the rest of the week. Um, and with gold it was kind of a similar situation. So and this, this pattern of, of how the cot changes, the, the setup of the cot, the structure of it, um, it it's, it's been consistent for, I don't know, the 20 years that I've been watching it, where when you start to get a, a sharp rise in the price of gold and silver, all of a sudden the banks, they'll, they'll unload their longs, pile into the shorts, and the, the managed money, the hedge funds and the CTAs, um, they pile into the long side, they chase momentum higher, and they cover their shorts. So and that, that, that looks like that's what was going on last week. And again, I, I'm sure that pattern continued at least through Thursday 
and then you know who know you know I'm assuming the banks probably took some profits off the table on Friday because the price of both actually silver ended up lower on the week last week, and gold mm-hmm. was up I think about four or five bucks on the week. So, um, in my opinion, I would say that the banks were engaging in some pretty aggressive price management last week. So, um, but if you look at the open interest on an outright basis, the the, the open interest in silver can go up by quite a bit before it gets up to, to you know, a longer term average for, for silver. And so, you know, that actually means there's, we pro- and same with gold, it, it probably means that, you know, we, we have more room to run higher before we get any kind of meaningful correction. So, hmm. and, and that would kind of dovetail with, on a seasonal basis, the seasonal patterns and, and India drives um, a good part of it, you know, as we go into the fourth quarter. But on a seasonal basis, we, we will start over the next three or four weeks, we'll start heading, you know, transitioning into what's typically the strongest seasonal period of the calendar year for the precious metals. Yeah, yeah, there is a seasonality to the metals. We're reminded that every year. Dave, last question for you. Let's talk about some of the fundamentals with the FOMC meeting uh, this week. Uh, Obviously, the Fed's come out and said they will raise twice, at least twice uh, before the end of the year. Uh, A lot of people out there thinking twice isn't going to be enough and that they'll keep going until something crashes here. Uh, Are two uh, rate hikes... Fed rate hikes, are they built into the gold price right now, or is gold still kind of sniffing something out that maybe the market was trying to sniff a couple weeks ago? You know, that's a good question. Interestingly, I don't know if you've read it, Adam Hamilton did an exhaustive, tedious report that goes, and he studied the data going all the way back to, I believe, 71, for sure going back to 73, and over that time period between then and and when he wrote the report i think he came out with it in 2015 maybe the the feds i mean gold's best periodic rate of returns occur when the fed is in a rate hiking cycle Hmm. and the feds in a rate hiking cycle I, i think people put too much emphasis emphasis on connecting interest rates with the price of gold. So, I mean, there, there is there is some correlation, but I think you also have to look at the money supply and the Fed balance sheet. And the Fed balance sheet hasn't really, I mean, it's, 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 it's declined an infinitesimal amount since they've been doing this supposed QE. And in my opinion, if they, I mean, QT, if they were to really ramp up their QT, I think the banks would probably hit, hit a wall. In other words, I think it's the Fed's liquidity that's holding up the big banks. We saw that starting in 2019, right? Or in late 2019 when they had to implement the, the repo, the temporary repo, which became a permanent repo, which became $4 trillion in, in QE starting in, in March 2020. So what I think we're seeing away from what's going on in the physical market, especially as it's being driven by the Eastern Hemisphere gold buyers, central banks and and, um, other entities, plus the public in the Eastern Hemisphere that's buying a lot of physical gold and silver right now. 
away from that, I think what we're seeing is an anticipation at some point, and I'm just going to throw out, say, within the next year. I mean, I don't want to put a, you know, a tighter time frame on that because who knows. At some point, as a result of the hiking of the, of the interest rates and you know something blowing up, at some point, the Fed's going to have to start printing a lot of money again. So, interestingly, I think a lot of us have been waiting for the for that to have to happen. You know, as the Treasury issues a lot more uh, new debt, right? Now that this, the ceiling's been raised, the debt ceiling's been raised. But so far, it looks like um, a fair portion of the T-bills that they've issued, and they haven't really issued long-term notes yet, but the T-bills they've been issuing, it looks like it's somewhat being funded by, um, you know, that reverse repo facility the Fed got going when about 18 months ago, I guess. And it, it got over $2 trillion and stayed there for quite some time. So that's come down. I was looking at it this morning. That's come down to about $1.7 trillion and change. So what that kind of tells me is that the money market funds and the banks that have been putting cash into the reverse repo facility and earning, you know, 5-plus percent over on an overnight basis annualized, that they've started um, shifting some of that capital in, into T-bills. So that, in my opinion, that's probably what's funding the, the T-bill issuance that's been going on right now. It's going to get more interesting. I mean, it, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense that the, the Treasury's uh, issuing debt short, right, at, with rates over 5%, when they can issue 30-year debt under 4%. So, but at some point, they're going to have to shift their, their issuance out to the longer end of the curve. And that's where I think things will get interesting in terms of uh, longer-term interest rates and how how that paper gets financed. Yeah, uh, a lot of moving intricacies in this market right now. So, Dave, uh, thanks for opening that up. It, it's we'll, we're going to be watching all of this here in the coming weeks and months as we move progress throughout the year. But uh, this week first, let's get through this week and see how things progress because it's uh, it's going to be a lot. Everybody's going to be on their toes and head on a swivel. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for your time. Good to connect with you, buddy. Have yourself Likewise, Trevor. Thanks for having me on again. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.